Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. Hey Thrive, isn't it so good to be together again? New season, spring is upon us. Here we are in a beautiful garden that belongs to a wonderful couple in our church. Spring is in the air all around us. This garden is bursting into life. Of course, we're in part two today of our series called Graves into Gardens. And hey, talking about spring, didn't Madison do an incredible job with spring in your step? So good to see all of our young people, our young communicators stepping up and communicating what they, what's on their hearts. The future is bright. Thrive Church's future is bright. And talking about our church and talking about the future and talking about spring and new seasons, if you volunteer anywhere in any area at Thrive Church in either Edenvale or Boxburg, if you're on the worship team, kids home team, I serve teams, anywhere at all, tomorrow night, Pastor Ken and I can't wait to be with you on Zoom. Details are below me on the screen right now. Monday, so that's tomorrow night on Zoom. We're going to talk you through what's next for our church in this next season. We're going to tell you all about coming back to church, when that's going to happen, how that's going to happen, and uh, you really need to know everything that we're going to tell you about that. So it's going to be an incredible, encouraging time uh, tomorrow night, and we can't wait to share with you some really beautiful things that are on our heart for this next season. While we're talking about next seasons, it's so important that as people and as followers of Jesus, we, we understand the world that we're living in and understand the seasons that we're living in. This really now, the spring season in our country as our COVID infections are reducing brilliantly and as our economy is opening up again and as restaurants and schools and gyms and everything's opening up again, so important that as followers of Jesus, we reemerge strongly, full of faith, not allowing fear to dominate our lives, not having a fearful mindset. So important that we reemerge at the season. We come out of hibernation and we hit this next season really wanting to make a difference for Jesus. You know, just quickly before we get into the word today, I've heard so many people saying stuff like this, like, I just want to write 2020 off. Um, I just want to start afresh in 2021. Can I say that to you? I, I, I feel you. I understand how you feel. I feel like that sometimes as well. But don't allow yourself to be ruled by your feelings. Because the scripture tells us that we should make the most of every opportunity. The scripture tells us that God doesn't waste time and neither should we. The scripture tells us that we're to use every moment that God gives us. Hey, we've got vision and we've got plans and we've got stuff that we believe God's going to do in the last quarter of this year. Don't write the year off. You can still redeem 2020. It can still be a year where there can be some fruit and something amazing that comes out of it. So today, Graves into Gardens part two. Today, we're going to be talking about anger, anger, and what to do with it. How to turn the graveyard that is anger into the garden that is a release of that. How many of you know we live in an angry world? I, I feel that, I sense that so often, almost every day, I realize we live in an angry angry world and sometimes that angry world I don't know about you but it can make me angry the angriness and anger around me makes me angry inside 
And to, to prove the point that we do live in an angry world, recently they did a survey of people. Can you believe the results of the survey? 80% of people said that they had been involved in some way in an incident of road rage. 74% of people said that they had been involved with or taken part in what's called net rage, a rage that happens because of slow internet. Can you believe it? 64% of people said that they'd been involved in some sort of rage related to the office. Uh, people in the office had made them full of rage. 50% of people admitted to hitting their computer. In the comment section right now, just put a hashtag me too if you've ever hit your computer due to rage or anger. I have. We do live in an angry world. And so the question then becomes for all of us is, what do we do with our anger? That, that is really the question for us as we live in and navigate this angry world. What do we do with our anger? You know, I never used to ask the question what to do with my anger. I just used to act out my anger. In primary school, listen, I was a disaster when it came to anger. I can remember one day, uh, rugby practice, a winter's day in Cape Town. The field had turned to mud. We were busy practicing scrumming. There was my nemesis, my enemy. His name was Dievolt. Dievolt was my enemy because he used to non-stop tease me about the surname Chicken. He used to go on and on about how I was Chicken Allah King, Chicken Allah King. And it was so annoying. Well, one day we were practicing scrumming. The field was a mess. It was a mud pit. He was a front ranker. I was an open side flanker. We were practicing scrumming and the scrum went down. Dievolt found his face in the mud. I took the opportunity, while his face was in the mud, to put my knee and my whole body down on his neck and on his head. And I held his face in the mud until I figured he'd learned the lesson. That wasn't the end of my anger. You might be thinking, I did that kind of stuff. Well, my parents, my family, nobody could watch me play tennis because I used to break rackets. I used to hurl them against the fence. I used to smash them on the ground. I used to hit them into the net. I, I was a disaster to watch as a tennis player because of my anger. I can remember watching rugby. I'm so passionate about rugby. I love rugby. I remember watching my team, Western Province, years ago, years and years ago. I was in grade nine. I'll never forget it. They lost to the free state of all people. Of all, I mean, Western Province doesn't lose to the free state. Well, they did that day. They lost badly and they played atrociously. I remember getting my cricket bat out of my room and getting out into my garden and swinging it with full strength against one of the big trees that we had in our garden. My cricket bat ended up in a thousand different pieces. My dad came home, tried to figure out what had happened that could possibly make the cricket bat end up the way it did. I never used to ask the question about what to do with my anger. I simply used to act out my anger and I guess we all respond to our anger in different ways don't we pastor Rick Warren says that there are four different types of people when it comes to how we all respond out of our anger first they're the maniacs <laughs> the maniacs they just go verbal they just explode they're the maniacs then you've got the mutes the mutes just go silent and they stew you know the saying that says anger is never buried dead. It's always buried alive. They just bury their anger. They just go 
quiet. You just know when you've got a mute on your hands and they go silent, you've got problems. Then you've got the manipulators. They, they, they don't get mad, they just get even. <laughs> they take revenge, the manipulators. And then lastly, fourthly, we've got the martyrs. <laughs> martyrs are those who, you know, they make themselves and everybody else miserable and they throw pity parties with their anger. Maybe just stop for a moment and as I'm speaking to you, evaluate for yourself, which are you? Are you a maniac? You just explode. Uh, perhaps you're a mute, you just go quiet. Perhaps you're a manipulator, you just want to get even. Or perhaps you're a, more of a martyr throwing a pity party. So we do live in an angry world. And as I said at the start, that angry world, uh, I find the anger around me can sometimes cause anger within me. The anger around me can cause anger within me. And we have to stop and ask ourselves the question, what do we do with our anger? But also, why is our world so angry? I've been thinking about this, and I, I think I can put it down to at least three reasons. I don't think these are all the reasons, but I hope that these reasons will be helpful for you to just try and pinpoint why our world is so angry. I think there are three reasons. The first is injustice. Injustice can and should make us angry. The second reason why our world is so angry is, I think, because of information. Information is so freely available. Never before has so much information hit us. And then I think the third big reason why our world is so angry at the moment is because of intolerance. I don't think our world has ever been so intolerant. And what's funny is so many people preach tolerance, so many people supposedly... Uh, position themselves as being tolerant, yet are massively intolerant. They're tolerant as long as you agree with them. Well, I think today I want to offer us just five thoughts on what to do with our anger. Firstly, I want to encourage us, each of us, to consider the cause of our anger. Number one, consider the cause. Jesus got angry. Anger in itself is not a sin. What we've got to do is we've got to consider the cause of our anger. Jesus got angry when children were stopped from coming to him. Jesus got angry when people were treated poorly. Jesus got angry at death. Jesus got angry at grief. Jesus got angry at people being manipulated for religious reasons. Jesus got angry. However, the cause of his anger was always justified. I want to say this. Sometimes being angry is a sign of love. In fact, if we don't get angry with some things, it could be that we lack love in that area. Yeah, the other day I saw on social media an incredibly disturbing scene. Out on the West Rand, somebody who was addicted to drugs, he literally ran up to a family who were having a lunch at a restaurant and he tried to kidnap a young girl aged six years of age in broad daylight. Fortunately, he was wrestled to the ground and stopped. But can you imagine the trauma that that family and that young girl suffered in that moment? That should make us angry. What to do with our anger? Well, first consider the cause. Here's how to know if it's healthy anger or unhealthy anger. Ask yourself the question, is it rooted in love of self or love of others? You see, when other people are being harmed and hurt, it should make us stop, pause, think about it. And it, sometimes we need to get angry about stuff that happens. C.S. Lewis said that anger is the liquid that love bleeds. Secondly, press the pause. 
Pastor Nikki Gumbel gave language to these first two points that I've given you today about considering the cause and then pressing the pause. Thomas Jefferson said this, so, so profound. He said, if you're angry, stop and count to 10. If you're very angry, stop and count to 100. Sometimes the power of a pause. Ecclesiastes tells us not to be quickly provoked. So all throughout scripture, there's the encouragement to just pause, <laughs> to breathe deeply, and to just chill. You know that time when you want to write an, an email or you want to type a WhatsApp? What I want to encourage you to do when you're angry is, is to write that email, to type that WhatsApp, and then go to bed, sleep on it, wake up the next morning, delete it. The power of a pause, press pause. You see what pausing does and what reflecting does is it allows us to respond instead of reacting. Third, I want to encourage you to figure out your friends or another way of saying it is measure your mates or as Trevor Hudson says in good old Eastern English, check your chinas. What I mean by that is have a look at the people that surround you and ask yourself the question, are my friends adding to my anger or are they reducing my anger? Are my friends contributing to the angry world that I found around me? Or are they helping me through that? Again, Scripture encourages us in this church. Proverbs 13 verse 20 tells us that when we walk with the wise, we become wise. But when we associate with fools, we get into trouble. Today, don't just consider the cause of your anger. Press pause, but also figure out your friends, measure your mates, Check out your chinas. Are they contributing or are they detracting from your anger? Are they making the world an angrier place for you? Or are they making it a better, more life-giving space for you? Fourthly, we need to watch our words. We need to watch our words. Jesus told us in Matthew 5.22 that anybody who calls another person a fool is in danger of the fires of hell. Strong words from Jesus because he knew the power of words. We live in a world where there's a lot of angry words around us. And as Christ followers, we're called to speak different words. Speak words of life. Speak words that are life-giving to people. Scripture encourages us in Proverbs 15 verse 1. It tells us that a gentle answer turns away wrath. You know, we can reduce the anger levels in our lives just by giving a gentle answer. James 1 verse 19 encourages us to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. In our world, in a world of social media, in a world of WhatsApp and email, it's all too easy for our words to be angry, to fire off angry words without having to look somebody in the eye. Can I encourage us today to watch our words? Fifthly and lastly, what to do with our anger? Well, I think we've got to count the cost. If you've ever had termites in your house, you'll know how lethal and how deadly they can be. Termites operate and eat away at the foundations of things, and they eat away at the building structure of things. Here's the thing. Termites operate below the surface. 
And before you know it, in fact, by the time you know it, they've destroyed whatever was below the surface. They can eat away at your foundations without you even knowing it. The same is true for anger. Anger can eat away at our interior worlds. And before we know it, anger has caused us so much harm in our inside world, in our interiors. We've got to count the cost. Some of you may have seen recently Novak Djokovic, the world number one tennis player, in a moment of anger, uh, flicked a ball towards the back end of the court. And that ball ended up hitting the line judge, hit her in the throat. He ended up getting disqualified from that match and, of course, from the tournament, simply because of a rare moment of anger on the court. We've got to count the cost. South Africa at the moment, we are counting the cost of the anger of some people. Stores are being looted. Certain chain stores are being, uh, their outlets are being trashed all over the show. There's a cost to anger. We've got to count that cost. Church, you know, if anybody had reason to be angry, it was a lady called Corrie Ten Boom. She was a survivor from the Holocaust. She went into concentration camps and survived them miraculously. Her sister Betsy passed away in a concentration camp. But Corrie Ten Boom tells an incredible story in her book called The Hiding Place. She relays a story of the day she came face to face with one of her torturers in the concentration camp. I'm going to read the story for you, or some of it at least, because her language is particularly powerful. She says that one day she was in a church in Munich when she saw him. He was a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat with a brown hat. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to Germany with the message that God forgives. When we confess our sins, I said, God casts them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces just stared back at me not quite daring to believe what I had said. People then stood up in silence, collected their bags, and left the room. And that's when I saw him. He was working his way forward towards me. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. All of a sudden, the memories came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh, bright overhead lights. The pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking past this man naked. I could see in my mind's eye my sister's frail body ahead of me. Her ribs sharp beneath her thin skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for hiding Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. And this man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now, years later, he was in front of me. 
with his hand thrust out towards me. A fine message, Fraulein, he said. How good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocket rather than take his outstretched hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner from amongst the thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he said. I was a guard there. But since that time, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things that I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, again the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins again and again had been forgiven. And yet I could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by asking for forgiveness? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there with his hand held out. But to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. And I still stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling, God. And so woodenly and mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into my hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole entire being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. It is possible as followers of Jesus to live differently to an angry world church. It is possible for us to live instead with joy and with peace and in kindness and to live with gratitude. It is possible for us to bring justice to the situations that we encounter. It is possible for us to extend forgiveness. It is possible for us to release anger and it is possible to speak words that are life-giving to every person that we come into contact with. What I'm saying to us today, it is possible for the grave of anger to turn into the garden 
of release, the garden of forgiveness. It is possible for graves to turn into gardens. You and I, we do not have to live angry just like the world does. But here's the thing, church. It's only possible in and through and because of Jesus. Think about it. What was the difference for Corey Ten Boom? What was it that made her able to do that? It was the power of God in her life. It was the love of Jesus that had overtaken her life. It's possible not to live angry, but it's just that Jesus is the one who makes it possible. Today, I don't know where you find yourself. Maybe you find yourself seething with anger about something. Can I encourage you to consider the cause? If needs be, press pause. Think about the people around you and whether they're contributing to that. Can I encourage you to watch your words? And can I encourage you to count the costs of your anger? But most of all today, I want to ask you to consider allowing Jesus into that space. Ask our loving Heavenly Father into your anger. I want to encourage you to talk to Him about your anger. I want to encourage you to release it to Him. And even as we're speaking now, I'd love to extend the best, most life-giving invitation ever to somebody watching today who's never invited Christ into their life. You've wondered why you live so angry and you've wondered why this angry world has made you so angry and you've wondered why or what to do about it. Well, the answer to that question today is invite Christ into your life because he will begin to work in your life. Your anger will begin to evaporate and in its place you'll find joy. If that's you today, it will be my great privilege to extend the invitation to invite Jesus into your life. And in this moment, I'm going to lead you in a moment of prayer. So if that's you today, would you pray with me? And all of Thrive Church, both campuses, wherever everybody's situated, behind screens or watching at church with the watch parties, wherever they may be, we're praying with you and for you right now. Father, thank you that you're a God of love. Thank you that your love evaporates the greatest anger in the world. Thank you that it was the love of Jesus that turns our lives around. Thank you that it was the love of Jesus that turned anger on its head. That when he was crucified, he responded not by retaliating out of anger, but by simply committing it to you. And so in this moment, I want to invite you into my life. I'm tired of living angry. I'm tired of not knowing what to do with my anger. Jesus, I want to ask you into my life and I ask that you would begin to work in my life. Thank you that as I do that, your Holy Spirit floods my life, comes into my heart and begins to change me from the inside out. I ask you to forgive me for where I've acted out of my anger. And I ask you to begin to write a new story with my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for those of you that prayed that pray with me in this moment, we want to congratulate you. We want to come alongside you and tell you genuinely, honestly, you have made the best decision ever. And we would love to come alongside you digitally, virtually, and just give you some next steps for your decision. So if you made that decision today, either for the first time, or perhaps you've been wondering, going your own way, and today was a coming back to God for you. 
I want to invite you to just simply let us know about your decision today. You could do that in a couple of ways, either by WhatsApping the words follow Jesus to the, the number on the screen below me right now, or if you're watching on our church online platform, click the raise hand icon in the bottom right hand side of your screen. That'll let us know that you've made that decision and we'd love to just send you something electronically that'll help get you on your next steps in your faith journey. Church, here's the good news. Jesus always came to give us good news. Today, the good news is the grave of anger can turn into the garden of release. You and I, we don't have to live angry. As you head into this week, consider the cause, press pause, think about your friends, check your chinas out, watch your words, and count the cost of your anger. Most of all, invite Jesus into that space and watch him turn a grave into a garden. Have a brilliant, brilliant week. Much love to all of you and may grace and peace be upon you and your family's lives. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.